Hello today, this is Coach Dan, coming in episode number five of the Coach Dan podcast thing I've been starting up, doing, working on. I hope to keep going. So far, the responses have been very supportive. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot as I try to come off as a very confident uh, coach and a confident guy when it comes to this stuff, but encouragement always goes a long way. That could be an entire subject for a podcast by itself, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. Today, we're going to circle back to a podcast, episode number three, which was three things to stop doing at practice or to do less of. And I'm going to do three things that you can and should, as a leader at practice, do more of. So three things that you should do more of at practice. A nice, easy, neutral topic for the most part, although the number of things I came up with for this were vast, but I narrowed it down to a trifecta of hopefully helpful uh, ideas for you. So the first one is going to piggyback on the thing I got a few questions about from episode number three, which was uh, when I said that you talk too much and that leaders generally talk too much. And some I did receive some questions about that, and I'm going to go ahead and flush out the other side of it, which is what to do instead. Um, and what to do instead, the thing that you should do more of, is get others to talk. Get other people to contribute to the practice. Get other people to contribute uh, what they are experiencing and how they're feeling and what they're learning and what's working and not working for them to the practice. And uh, there's a big reason for that. Most of us, to get back on the talk too much train just for a second and revisit that, if you are if you are a skater and a player and your primary focus is getting better and sometimes you help others along the way by either being a good role model or passing out a few tips here and there and for what other reason for whatever reason other players are gravitating to you they seem to key off your energy they seem to follow you and then you become elected a captain or a trainer or a coach the most of us until that validation, so to speak, or what we perceive as validation from the team where we become appointed or elected to that position, we are holding back to some degree because we've learned in probably our years of life and adulthood that if you're putting your neck out all the time, saying your opinions and what you want to do, eventually somebody will chop it off. Somebody else will feel threatened or insecure, or people will shoot down your ideas, making you feel insecure. Bad things happen. So we typically hold ourselves back. I know I did when I was first around roller derby. I had a lot of ideas, but I held myself back quite a bit. And then, of course, my story I've learned is very much the typical story. I get appointed coach, and I think that's the validation. They want all these ideas, and they want to hear what I have to say about just about everything. And while most of us don't wake up with a goal of talking endlessly at others about what we think, uh, 
as talking in front of others is a little scary for most people and not what they choose to do. It's still not my favorite part of the job, for sure. The, the, the periods of time where I have to talk at length in front of the group are the periods that I'm the most uncomfortable, the ones I like the least. So when we have practices that involve me talking and explaining a lot, it is the time when I'm most on edge. It's the time when I'm most concerned that I'm going to offend, upset, or confuse, or generally not be the leader I think of myself to be, which we'll get into that in a minute too. But uh, some of us then, even though that's not what we really want to do, we got this validation, right? We got appointed captain, we got appointed trainer, we got elected, whatever your process is at your league. The Basically, the uh, they are now looking at you. So we think, all right, I got to do it. And we turn practice into the Dan show or the uh, skater XYZ show. It is now all about them presenting everything. And another thing that happens is even if you enjoy that role, you might look around and say, well, nobody else is doing it. So I have to do it. I have to do all the talking. I have to come up with all the drills. I have to explain them. I have to do all of this. So like how, what, what am I supposed to do with this coach? Dan, you you say to talk less, uh, get others to talk, get other people, others perspectives. You have to make a habit of getting the opinions of others at practice and getting them to open up and speak more. And even if you don't fully agree with what they're saying, and even if it is not totally the flushed out condensed thought that, or the way that you would present it, uh, just getting them to say it is useful. And I'm going to tell a story to illustrate this. Uh, And first I'm going to you know, really explain the why here. And then I'm going to go into the how. So we'll get to the how. But I was given a job uh, a few, it was last summer, as an online coach uh, by this guy who had this online academy teaching skills to others. And I knew that we had a lot in common. We went out to eat, we met, we talked. And we had a lot in common. Our stories were similar. What we did was similar. A lot of how we thought and approached problems was very similar. And then when I became a coach, I quickly like got in my head about this because my job was to basically help answer questions along with him from students. And most of my answers were exactly the same. Like I wanted to say exactly what he said, or I would give an answer and he'd say basically the same thing. So about Three weeks in, I was having a confidence crisis at this job because I felt like I was just a parrot or that we were too alike. And I was just saying the same thing that the owner of the business was saying. So I asked him, you know, what do you do? You want this from me? This is do you really just want me saying the same things you're saying? I feel like our opinions are too similar and the students aren't getting different information. And the owner said, that's exactly what I want, because Even if what we are thinking is the same, the way we describe it and explain it is going to be a little different. And your voice and where you come at it from and the parts that are important to you will be just a bit different from mine. And that could resonate with certain students more than I can. Like I, we may have the same message. All the students need that message, but you can get it to the students better than I can in some cases because they just gravitate more to you than to me. 
So this is an important thing to circle it back to roller derby to accept that everybody at practice probably needs the message, but not all of them are going to hear it best or understand it best coming from you. The way that you describe things and the way that you present things, no matter how good you are, is limited. Only the very, very best in the world have this mass mass appeal. Uh, Tony Robbins is a speaker who can seem to reach out and affect just about anybody. Bonnie Destroyer was a derby presenter who had a similar effect. And when I, when I spoke to her, she said how much she loved Tony Robbins and knew, like followed Tony Robbins and studied his style so that she could reach everybody. Um, you probably can't reach everybody right now, not without a lot of practice and a lot of work at it. So when you get other people to talk, you get more voices to either support what you're doing or present it slightly different. That's okay. Uh, as long as it's not putting them in danger or doing something illegal, that is okay. That gets everybody the message that they need to get. So how to do it. Um, so let's take a skill drill, send your, describe it briefly. Um, don't try to over describe it. Try to keep your description to about uh, one or two minutes. Just the quick sum up version of the drill. This is what we're doing. This is why. This is why. Don't forget the why. Now do a demo. Even if the skaters aren't sure what they're doing, grab a few skaters and walk them through what you're looking for and have them try it. Try to make it your brave and experienced players. Although depending on the skill level of the drill, you should branch it out and try to use different players at different times. Sometimes young players can get confidence boost when you walk them through demoing something that they can do. So, you know, use some judgment on who you grab. I nowadays just grab the three or four players closest to me and walk them through it. And usually that works just fine. But always do a visual demo. Let them see it. All right. Always ask if they have any questions. Does anybody have any questions? Yes, no, maybe. Try to answer them if they do, or try or know which questions you can answer right now. So if the question is, are you going to blow a whistle every minute and we switch? And the answer is yes, that's a good question. Let's lock down how we're going to rotate who is going in the drill. Uh, if the question is a finer point thing, like should I be using this part of my body or this part? If the answer is clear cut, absolutely answer it. If the answer is I'm not quite sure or it depends, Tell the skater to go try it for a while, and then we'll come back and answer it later. So know which questions you're going to answer and which ones you're sort of going to deflect and say, go try it for a while, and then we'll answer that. All right. So that should take about two to three minutes. Now we're ready to start the drill and teach some new skills. Send the players out. Have them go for what a reasonable amount of time is per drill. Usually I do a song or two, uh, which equates to five or six minutes. After that, call the skaters back in. This is the part for other people to get involved. Ask them how that went, how it feels, what's working, what's not, and get them to talk. Get them to talk about what is going on with them on the track, what they are experiencing, how they are feeling, which foot works better, whether to use the hips or the shoulder, which part of the body takes the impact, all of the things. Get them to talk about the stuff. And it's okay if you have that person who always sat in the front of the class and was the first with their hand up and always wanted to talk, let them talk. Uh, if they are always going first, maybe tell them sometime I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to have you go second. It's okay. <laughs> but get other people to talk. Get the message out there in voices that aren't just your own. Because 
If you pull everybody in and tell them to do this, 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 and this, it's just your voice. If there's anybody who is at any way not trusting you yet, sick of you or tired of you, and I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, there will always be some of these. It is natural. It does not mean you're a bad leader. It is not a permanent reflection of you. You can win them back. Maybe that'll be a podcast episode all itself, how to win over people who aren't into you. But uh, let them be not into you. Let them hear it from somebody else. If you're standing there always telling people what they need to correct, they will start to identify you as the person who is only there to correct all the things. And if they aren't into that for whatever reason that day, they won't be hearing you. But hearing other people talk about their experiences, they might be more open to. So it takes words out of your mouth and oftentimes lets them come from others. And that is what you want. It is what you need. It doesn't damage your credibility. It shows others that you trust their credibility and that you want to hear from them. All right, so other people talk about what they're doing. If you still have some notes or things that you want to get out, wait till the end after several people have talked. Say your piece. Try to keep this all under 10 minutes, the break, the discussion, all of it under 10 minutes, preferably under five when things are going very well, but definitely under 10. And then uh, after we have talked about the drill, say, would you like to do this again now that you have all these new ideas? Most of the time, the answer is absolutely yes. Sometimes it'll be something that was simpler than the group really needed, and they'll say, no, we've got it. That's fine. But uh, typically what will happen is once you kind of get the buy-in, you get some people nodding like, yeah, I want to do this again now that we've talked about these ways to do it better, send them back out, have them do it again. Give them another like five to 10 minutes, another two songs or so to really lock in the drill. This is the part where they're really locking in the skill so they can use it later or so that they can do it in the drill later rather than have to rebuild the skill from scratch, okay? So that is a good example of something that you should do and how to organize drills so that you don't have to do all the talking. I'm glad we got that out there. If you have questions about that or feedback for that, you can email uh, the podcast, um, that will, that's in the description. I would just say the email right now, but I can't remember what my lovely wife made it. So better that I just direct you to the description. Uh, you also can find me on Facebook uh, and you can message the page uh, Power Through the Fourth Whistle on Facebook. All right. And we love feedback, so feel free. The second thing to do more of at practice is on the note of building trust, something I mentioned in the past, and that is to tell players what we are doing. Tell players what we are doing. This is, one, so that they feel like they know what's going on. Um, you will find, I have found, I'll speak from personal experience here, but I found it the the more people I have experience with in life and the more leadership responsibility I have going through life, the more I've learned how much people like to know what's going on with their leadership. The more they want to know what we're doing today and why, what we're doing this week and why, what are the goals and why, where are we going and why, what are we working on and why. So communicating that more is a great idea for practice. Now, to some of you, uh, this might mean that you spend all day making your list of what to do to practice and you're thinking, well, I can just post it on the internet. I don't think that is a good way to go. I don't think making your team 
reliant on checking on how you're doing on social media as a way to go. Maybe that's a thing for a different podcast. I don't want to get too deep into it here. I'll, I'll tell you what I do, and you can decide if or how to make it work best for you. I don't come up with practice until I'm at practice. I think about Derby all day. I'm always thinking of drills or ideas. But when I'm at practice, I spend uh, the time as people start to filter in and gear up, and I see who is there trying to figure out what to work on. So this way I can cater what I want to do to the group that shows up. If we have a lot of rookies in the group, then there's going to be some newer drills that I think that they really need. And if there's a like a strong group of veterans, I can push the envelope a bit on some strategy or try some new drills I've never tried before because I know that they'll give me good feedback and help me refine them into good drills for larger groups. If it's a large practice, you probably want to build your practice around a scrimmage. If you have enough players to do so, getting scrimmages is normally a good move, but at least game day-like, derby-like uh, drills. And if you have a small group, you need to obviously build around that. And you can't do those larger game day-esque drills and strategy, but you can work on some things catered to that group. So I figure it out when people walk in. I sit down with a notepad and I write down uh, four to six things that I'd like to work on based on the people who showed up. Then I prioritize them. I'll often just write little numbers by what I want to do most. Then I will ask the skaters to do one thing that is gets the blood pumping and is difficult. So uh, they're usually just skating laps or working on their me time, waiting for practice to start about 10 to 15 minutes into practice. No, I don't start right on time. I let the skaters have 10 to 15 minutes to work on whatever they want to work on, whatever footwork they may have to work on, um, whatever new skill they're trying to work on. Uh, I'm all for that. And then most people aren't geared up right at the start of practice time anyway. This gives them a few minutes to get in there. So about 10 to 15 minutes after the hour, I will go out there and I will ask the scares to do something that is not terribly hard, but sort of hard on the spot. A hitting drill, um, plow stops on the whistle, a bunch of different stops on the whistle, a drill we call all the stops, these footwork things that I also refer to as vegetables because you don't always want them, but they're good for you. And uh, then we do some hard laps, something like that. I ask them to do something hard to push people through that quick moment of, do I really want to play derby today? Have them do something hard. Usually they do. And then uh, I call everybody in and we talk about what we're going to do today. I read them my list and I the things that are the lowest priority, I say, if we have time, we'll get to these. And uh, I read the highest priority things and we go out and we do them. Not only does this let your players know what to expect from practice and what they're going to be working on today, this lets players with any health concerns or things that are hurting them figure out which part of practice they can or should do. Um, if if there's a lot of high contact stuff that they're nervous about, they can they don't have to participate. I I, I very much encourage it, but. Obviously, health things, when players aren't feeling healthy or up to certain drills, they know to step back or uh, take time off from that. And it also builds trust in a very subtle way. Practice is the place where you have will have most of the interaction with your team. Practice is where they have to learn to trust you. But how do they do that? Um, you actually have to build trust in very subtle ways. It's as simple as telling people what you're going to do and doing it. A good way to build trust is to read a list of this is what we're going to do today. 
and then doing it. This makes you a person of your word, a person who, when they say something, is going to follow through. Because we have learned, uh, it's been a long time since we were five-year-olds, we have learned in our, in our adult life that there are plenty of people out there who will say they're going to do something and don't. That is just the way it is. So a very simple, very straightforward way to build trust is just tell people what we're going to do and then actually do it. It's that simple. It's not that complicated. Uh, very similarly, if we're in an endurance drill or if we're in any kind of skill drill that doesn't require my full attention on the action and there are people waiting in line for their turn or things like that, I like to go to the line, the pace line or the standing line and say, we're going to be doing this for X many more minutes. Um, two more minutes, five more minutes. We're going to do this line two more times through. I let people know how long we're going to do it and I walk away, and that's how long we do it for. It's a very subtle way of getting people to believe what you say. Just telling them that you're going to do something and then following through on it one to two minutes later or 30 minutes later in the practice gets people to trust you. It is a very small thing, but it is a thing worth doing, and I hope you will try it. Uh, because trust is among the most important things uh, that can go on in a derby team. A team that has trust can do a lot. A team without trust can do almost nothing. And most teams are in some stage in the middle of that, with some players trusting some players, but not other players. A team where, where all the players trust each other and their coach can go a long way. So uh, tell people what you are doing or what they will be doing. It's a really good tactic. Hey there, friends. Want to know how you can support the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby podcast and look super cool doing it? Our store has a bunch of roller derby designs that can be put on all kinds of super soft, high-quality t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, notebooks, mugs, stickers, blankets, and more at Threadless. Whether you love cartoon animals on roller skates like our Apex Predator T-Rex or Jamma Llama to messages like Roller Derby Strong and My Mom Plays Roller Derby, there's really something for everybody. Visit powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot threadless.com. Thank you for your support and back to our show. All right. Finally, I'm going to talk about something that works for me at practice and helps me be the better coach uh, than I think I would be without this. This is just a little, uh, a little tip of my own. And without going into it too much, I was a theater major in college and people have asked me what you do with theater and if I do acting or if I do local theater or if I do shows and I do not. But this is, it, you can learn a lot about how to present yourself and about how to affect others through theater and how you affect others through theater. And an old tip I use from theater, when we would get cast as a character, we would have to sit down and like write down some things about our character. Um, the best coach I ever had wasn't a coach at all in the traditional sense. He wasn't an athletics coach. He was a director. And this is something he had all of his actors do. Uh, sit down and write down on a piece of paper just 
about their character. Just write their character's story. All the things that they know about their character and all the things that they want their character to be, what motivates their character, what works for their character, what their character is. So my tip for roller derby is that you as the leader, as the coach, as as the trainer, the captain, whatever you are, you are in a way a character. Uh, you are something to other people, like how you behave and what you do and how you lead affects other people. So get into character. Um, if it helps, sit down with a notepad and write down, like I'm going to speak for myself here, write down what Coach Dan uh, is and what Coach Dan is not. So um, Coach Dan, for example, is always in a good mood. Coach Dan is supportive. Coach Dan has high expectations, but they are realistic. They can be met. And Coach Dan is always pushing to make his team the best. So it can be just a handful of things. Like you might fill a page. It might be four bullet points, something like that. Something like that. All right. Um, another one. Uh, and then so once you kind of have this idea of what your character is, before you go into that building before you enter that sacred practice space where so much of the work and so much of the defining of who your team is and where you are as a league is going to occur, get into character. Take a second and no matter what happened with your day and no matter what you were feeling before this moment, you are now in character. This is this team needs somebody else to walk through that door. If you had a bad day, uh, whoever we are, even if you didn't, even if you had just a fine day, um, whoever you are, it the standards of being a coach or a leader are in the minds of others are always incredibly high. And you can't be that 24-7. So commit to being that for this set period of time, like this, these two hours, these three hours, however long your practices are. Commit to being that for this period of time and get in character before you go in there. A skater who was put in a leadership position asked me this, you know, was asking me some questions this year about, God, I'm just not that person. I don't see myself the way that they see me. I don't think I can live up to that standard. And my advice to them was um, that, you have to let that go. You don't have to be that all the time. That's too much pressure on yourself. Go do your best impression of that, your very best acting of that. Do it for about two hours of practice and do it one practice at a time. It's not that much time. It's not that much time a day. Just go be the best version of a coach or leader that you can be for two hours of a day, one practice at a time. All right. I was asked, um, I was, I'm, I'm constantly asked when I'm at practice how my day was. Constantly. Like, uh, which is great. I'm glad that people care. And I'm glad that we have that friendly vibe where people are always asking each other uh, how they're doing. In the back of my, what I always respond to when they ask me this is that I am doing great. And what's going on in the back of my mind is that it doesn't really matter how I was doing. Maybe it was a bad day. Yesterday I ran a practice after having a very bad day. I was told afterwards that it was a great practice and that you couldn't tell. That's what I like to hear. It doesn't matter whether I was having a bad day, the best day of my life, or just another day. It doesn't matter because Coach Dan, that character doesn't have bad days. Coach Dan shows up to every practice excited to be there, excited for what they're gonna do, 
and ready to do what he has to to make the team better, to give them a positive energy and a positive space to get uh, to do what they need to do to become what they want to become. All right. Do your best impression of that. Do your best acting of that one day at a time. Don't put the pressure on yours. Don't put all that pressure on yourself to just be that all the time. It's impossible. Nobody can do it. Just do it and to do it to the best of your ability, one practice at a time. Okay, I think I'm going to leave it there. We've got the three things that you can be doing at practice. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, you can send feedback. Remember to follow the Fourth Whistle podcast page for more podcast episodes. You can find us right now on YouTube and on SoundCloud. I'm Coach Dan, and I'll see you on the track.